Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. My name is Brad Constantine. You might have figured that out by now. Alrighty, we are on section 51 today, so let me go ahead and start with the uh, introduction to the section that was written for the Revelation. Section 51, Revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet at Thompson, Ohio, May 20th, 1831. At this time, the saints migrating from the eastern states began to arrive in Ohio, and it became necessary to make definite arrangements for their settlement. As this undertaking belonged particularly to the bishop's office, Bishop Edward Partridge sought instruction on the matter, and the prophet inquired of the Lord. This section was not included in the Book of Commandments. However, it is recorded in a manuscript containing 41 revelations entitled Kirtland Revelation Book. Verse 5 appears to be an inspired edition which clarified the earlier written revelation. This revelation was first published in the 1835 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants. And that was uh, written by Joseph Ely McConkie. A little bit more historical background. In December 1830, the Lord instructed the saints to gather in Ohio. When the saints had begun to respond, Edward Partridge, the newly appointed bishop of the church, felt the responsibility of caring for them when they arrived in Ohio, uh, as they were arriving in May 1831. The basic elements of the law of consecration had been given in section 42, but many situations required more detailed answers. Bishop Partridge sought help from the prophet Joseph Smith, who inquired of the Lord and received what is now section 51 of the Doctrine and Covenants. President Joseph Fielding Smith wrote, The Lord endeavored to teach these members, in part at least, and train them in the great principle of consecration, as a preparatory step before they should be permitted to journey to Zion, for it was in keeping with this law upon which the city of Zion was to be built. Thus these saints from the east were to be organized according to the law of God. This land in Ohio was in this manner to be consecrated unto them for a little season until the Lord should provide for them otherwise and command them to go hence. The experience of Orson Pratt, who was present when Joseph Smith received this revelation at Thompson, Ohio, was reported as follows. No greater noise or physical manifestation was made, or no great noise or physical manifestation was made. Joseph was as calm as the morning sun, but he noticed a change in his countenance that he had never noticed before, when a revelation was given to him. Joseph's face was exceedingly white and seemed to shine. The speaker had been present many times when he was translating the New Testament and wondered why he did not use the Urim and Thummim as in translating the Book of Mormon. While this thought passed through the speaker's mind, Joseph, as if he read his thoughts, looked up and explained that the Lord gave him the Urim and Thummim when he was inexperienced in the spirit of inspiration. But now he had advanced so far that he understood the operations of that spirit and did not need the assistance of that instrument. So it's interesting, isn't it, that as Joseph was translating the plates and he was using the uh, Urim and Thummim mostly, or the seer stone, after a while he didn't need that to receive revelation. All right, verse 1. Hearken unto me, saith the Lord your God, and I will speak unto my servant Edward Partridge, remember he's the bishop, and give unto him directions, for it must needs be that he receive directions how to organize this people. For it must needs be that they be organized according to my laws. If otherwise, they will be cut off. 
Wherefore, let my servant Edward Partridge and those whom he has chosen, remember he has counselors too, in whom I am well pleased, appoint unto them, unto the people, their portions, every man equal to his family according to his circumstances and his wants and needs. It was the responsibility of the bishop to give each family its stewardship, instructing the bishop in the principles that would direct his decision. The prophet explained in a letter to Bishop Partridge, to condescend to particulars, I will tell you that every man must be his own judge how much he should receive and how much he should suffer to remain in the hands of the bishop. I speak of those who consecrate more than they need for the support of themselves and their families. The matter of consecration must be done by the mutual consent of both parties, for to give the bishop power to say how much every man should have, and he be obliged to comply with the bishop's judgment, is giving to the bishop more power than a king has. And upon the other hand, to let every man say how much he needs, and the bishop be obliged to comply with his judgment, is to throw Zion into confusion and make a slave of the bishop. The fact is, there must be a balance or equilibrium of power between the bishop and the people, and thus harmony and goodwill may be preserved among you. Therefore, those persons consecrating property to the bishop in Zion, and then receiving an inheritance back, must reasonably show to the bishop that they need as much as they claim. But in case the two parties cannot come to a mutual agreement, the bishop is to have nothing to do about receiving such consecrations, and the case must be laid before a council of twelve high priests, the bishop not being one of the council, but he is to lay the case before them. Bishop Partridge's counselors at uh, this time were Isaac Morley. He served as a counselor in the presiding bishopric from 1831 to 1840. He remained faithful and died in Utah in 1865. And John Carrill was the other counselor. He was excommunicated in 1839. The basic principle of all the revelations on the United Order is, the ever, is that everything we have belongs to the Lord. Therefore, the Lord may call upon us for any and all of the property which we have because it belongs to him. This, I repeat, is the basic principle. Uh, in Doctrine and Covenants section 104, it states, And again, a commandment I give unto you concerning your stewardship, which I have appointed unto you. Behold, all these properties are mine, or else your faith is vain, and ye are found hypocrites. And the covenants which ye have made are unto me are broken. And if the properties are mine, then ye are stewards. Otherwise ye are no stewards. But verily I say unto you, I have appointed unto you to be stewards over mine house, even stewards indeed. One of the places in which some of the brethren are going astray in this is this. There is continuous reference in the revelations to equality among the brethren, but I think you will find only one place where that equality is really described, though it is referred to in other revelations. That revelation is in section 51, which we just read, affirms that every man is to be equal according to his family, according to his circumstances and his wants and needs. Obviously, this is not a case of dead-level equality. It is equality that will vary as much as the man's circumstances, his family, his wants, and needs may vary. That was by J. Reuben Clark. Verse 4, And let my servant Edward Partridge, when he shall appoint a man his portion, give unto him a writing, in other words, a legal deed, that shall secure unto him his portion. This made the properties given to the members private property, that he shall hold it, even this right and this inheritance in the church. The stewardship was given with a deed of ownership, so each member would be fully responsible and accountable for managing it. The stewardship then was treated as private property, not common or communal property, even though all property ultimately belongs to God. The fundamental principle of this system was the private ownership of property. Each man owned his portion or inheritance or stewardship with an absolute title 
which he could alienate or hypothecate or otherwise treat as his own. The church did not own all the property, and the life under the United Order was not a communal life, as the Prophet Joseph Smith himself said. The United Order is an individualistic system, not a communal system. Again, that was by J. Reuben Clark. Continuing verse 4. Until he transgresses and is not accounted worthy by the voice of the church, according to the laws and covenants of the church, to belong to the church. In other words, if anyone transgressed and was counted unworthy of membership in the church, he also lost his standing in the society. But in that case, he was to retain the property deeded to him, but have no claim on the portion set apart for the maintenance of the poor and needy. Verse 5, And if he shall transgress and is not accounted worthy to belong to the church, he shall not have power to claim that portion which he has consecrated unto the bishop for the poor and needy of my church. Therefore he shall not retain the gift, but shall only have claim on that portion that is deeded unto him. In other words, uh, the bishop, bishop Partridge held, held title to the land for the church, but members received the leased land as a stewardship. If an individual left the church after receiving property as a stewardship, the inheritance reverted back to the hands of the church. It was determined, however, that this practice did not accord with the law because individuals could not depri be deprived of property by a religious organization. Hence, the, proper, the prophet changed the instructions concerning the implementing of the deeded land. Verse six, and thus all things shall be made sure according to the land, to, according to the laws of the land, and let that which belongs to this people be appointed unto this people, and the money which is left unto this people, let there be an agent appointed unto this people to take the money to provide food and raiment according to the wants of this people. The community was to be represented by an agent whose special duty it was it would be to handle the money required for food and clothing by the people. There is great wisdom manifested in the distribution of responsibilities. The bishopric would receive the property, distribute it in stewardships, and receive the earnings of each stewardship. The agent would see to it that property would not unduly be accumulated, but that the needs of all were, supp were supplied. Verse 9, in other words, to help the Lord's people be one, let every man deal honestly and be alike among this people, and receive alike that, he, that ye may be one, even as I have commanded you. And let that which belongeth to this people not be taken and given unto that of another church. Wherefore, if another church, and this means branch of the church, would receive money of this church, let them pay unto this church again according as they shall agree. And this shall be done through the bishop or the agent, which shall be appointed by the voice of the church. And again, let the bishop appoint a storehouse unto this church, where the surplus was kept to be used by the poor and needy. And let all things, both in money and in meat, which are, which are more than is needful for the wants of this people, be kept in the hands of the bishop. And let him also reserve unto himself for his own wants and for the wants of his family, as he shall be employed in doing this business. He now worked full time for the church, and so he was able to compensate himself for his work. Verse 15, And thus I grant unto this people a privilege of, of organizing themselves according to my laws. And I consecrate unto them this land for a little season, until I, the Lord, shall provide for them otherwise, and command them to go hence. The saints would only be in Ohio long enough to build the Kirtland Temple and receive the rich outpourings of the Spirit, then they would move on. Verse 17, And the hour and the day is not given unto them, wherefore let them act upon this land as for years, and this shall turn unto them for their good. 
The work of the Lord should not be approached with tentativeness. Such an attitude inhibits both our faith and our actions. The Lord commanded the saints to work with all their might as if they were remaining in Ohio for years and not a little season. The saints from Colesville, New York, who settled the land in Thompson, followed the Lord's command. They cleared the land for farms and built homes, which were left behind when they traveled to Missouri. And that was by um, Joseph Ely McConkie again. Verse 18, Behold, this shall be an example unto my servant Edward Partridge in other places, in all churches. And whoso is faithful, who is found faithful, a just and a wise steward, shall enter into the joy of his Lord, and shall inherit eternal life. Verily I say unto you, I am Jesus Christ, who cometh quickly. In an hour you think not, even so. Amen. I bear testimony of the truth of these things, that as we um, can begin to learn to live the law of consecration, then the Lord will bless us. Uh, with much, much more blessings than we currently have. And I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.